and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an AR retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 20, which is titled Random Acts. The episode aired on May 1st, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Ellen DeGeneres comes out publicly as a lesbian on The Oprah Winfrey Show. Another of Lizzie's favorite disaster movies, Volcano, starring Tommy Lee Jones, Anne Heche, and Don Cheadle, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. If you haven't seen this one, it's the one where a volcano forms in Los Angeles. Yeah, and it's also, uh, if you're confused, if you're ever confused about Dante's Inferno versus Volcano, just Dante's remember peak. the... Or Dante's Put some Peak, respect whatever. on the name. Thank you if very you're much. Ever, if you're ever confused, see, I'm already confused. If you're ever confused about which one is which, just remember that Volcano is the one in, uh, where at the end they solve racism. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they managed to make a, They managed to make a movie about a volcano in Los Angeles with a racism is bad message. Okay. At the very end. At the very end, I mean, seconds before the credits roll. Yeah, it's there's racist, there's racist overtones and in, involved in a D plot, but yeah, it's bizarre. But then, but then suddenly, all their faces are covered with ash. They all look the same. <laughs> I want to punch that little kid in the face. As bad as I want to punch uh, baby Rachel in season one. Yes, maybe worse. I don't know. Yeah, Bringing us worse. back on task here. Um, and Can't Nobody Hold Me Down by Puff Daddy featuring Maze concludes its six-week run atop the music charts. Tune in next week to see what's what comes what's coming up. And Daniel, what else is on? What else was on that evening? Uh, at 8 p.m., Friends had the one with Ross's thing. At 8.30 p.m., Suddenly Susan had the episode Family Affairs. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld had The Millennium. And at 9.30, Fired Up checked in with They Sell Horses, Don't They? I don't make these episode titles. Uh, this week's episode had 31.5 million viewers tuning in down just slightly from, I think, the 33.1-ish we had for last week. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his third of 40 episodes that he would do. Uh, ones of his that we talked about earlier this season include Faith and Night Shift. And this week's episode is written by Carol Flint, doing her 8th out of 15. Uh, previous ones from this season of hers we have done include Postmortem, Union Station, and Last Call. And I want to make a note about the episode titles. So one of the things that happened as home video became more accessible, DVDs became more accessible, and DVR became more of a thing, is shows started to get more creative with their episode titles. Because people were actually mm. seeing them. Like, before it would have just been internal like references yeah, for the true, studio. Yeah. But then afterwards, it started to become like... I mean, ERs always uses the title cards. But I'm, but I'm saying, like, right. for a lot but of yeah, shows, not they every don't. Show. Fair enough. Yeah, not not every show did that. And I, get, I think we are probably getting close to that era. I mean, we're only a few years off of DVD. And um, the VHS, even, even at this point, like, I can remember with X-Files and stuff, they wouldn't put out entire seasons on VHS. They would put out, like, three or four episodes. Yeah. Collections. And they would do them in, like, you'd get, like, two VHS, and they would have four episodes on them that weren't connected they at all. They did that with uh, Pokemon. Yep. They would have, like, of the four, the whole four-parter where Ash goes through the the Elite Four, and then they would just put that on a VHS. Yeah. Or something. The yeah. one I owned was one of the episodes where he's trying to get the Celadon gym badge, and so there's, like, the perfume shop. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was the, like, 
beauty salon versus the Pokemon spa. The salon was run by Team Rocket, and the spa was run by a girl that Brock was trying to impress. So she was a woman just yeah. at, in, on the show because Brock is trying to impress every woman on that show. Yeah. So. But just to compare and contrast which one. So, yeah. Anyway, let's get into our episode here. Uh, Dr. Carter does the handles the previously on, and we open with Doug and Mark out golfing on a real-life golf course that is along the lakefront. I can never remember the name of it, but it's definitely there. Is, is that the one by, like, Recreation Drive? Yeah, that's, okay. where, that's the one that Recreation Drive feeds into, and it's, like, near uh, Irving Park and mm-hmm. in between, like, Addison and Irving Park or something like that. Yep. Um it shouldn't be there. Fuck that noise. It should just be a public park. I hate golf courses. Golf, cor- golf courses are the fucking worst. Um, anyway, tune into the lounge for more of Leftist Views. <laughs> um, but Doug is giving Mark all of these tips, and Mark is just not having any of it. And Doug is like, if you play nine holes twice a week and 18 on the weekends, you'll be shooting in the low 80s by Labor Day. I don't know what the low 80s means. Is that good? It's the, I don't... Total, it's the total number of strokes that he, like the number of... Yeah. Of tries it takes for the whole course and then depend so you basically you take up all the all the total holes and you add like some holes are par three some holes are par four whatever yeah i know you, that. Add, you add all that up and that tells you yeah. what the like average score would be and so for this course i'm guessing you know it's probably because the way he says it uh, low 80s is uh, it's sarcastic like low 80s would not be a good score he's ah. just he's making fun of mark <laughs> he's like if you really practice you can suck by this weekend <laughs> I play the Golden Tee games in bars. Okay, yeah. And I select Power Drive on every single time just to see how far the things will go. That's certainly the most creative way I've ever heard anybody tell somebody else they were an alcoholic. So I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Excuse you. I did it most of the time when I was a kid. Uh, Oh, so you were a parent was an alcoholic. You were brought to bars to play Golden Tee. (laughs) No, we had family (laughs) gatherings at restaurants that had bars Uh, that had the Golden Tee game attached to it. What happens anyway uh so then we see hicks asks benton if he can help with his transplant today and she reassigns another one of his surgeries to someone else um and benton actually speaks up and asks if carter can assist and hicks says maybe um carter can work on the donor team so benton will be on the transplant team carter will be on the donor team and carter's just like oh thanks that means a lot to me and benton's just like shut up carter um <laughs> But then we go over to Bad News Bears. Jeannie is asleep on Al's couch with Al waking her up. Um, he wakes her up because it's after 7 and she missed her 7 a.m. pills. He very sweetly woke her up so she didn't further delay her dosages and mess anything else up. Which, okay, go Al, fine. Like I like you a little more. Um, and then they just kind of commiserate on their HIV positive status. And Jeannie's asking why they're messing with Al's meds. If it like is is your viral load up? What's going on? And it turns out he's med resistant to something that he's taking. So they're trying to mess with his cocktail to get his viral load back down. And I just want to note, Jeannie looks super cute in her sleepy, comfy clothes. Like it's kind of nice to see her out of uniform. She's so precious when they just let her dress cash. Finally, we find out that the infectious disease team is running a study that Jeannie offers to help Al get on. Un- get into and it is the same team that greg fisher works on so that can only end well mm-hmm. and then we're brought in with our bangs and then speaking of bangs uh we come we come out of the intro 
Uh, someone left a saucy story laying around, and Carol has found it. <laughs> she reached to hang his banana bag, her breasts swelling under the pink of her uniform. Carly, his voice was hoarse with desire. Call me Nurse Hallinan. Carly Hallinan, that's you, girl. No, you gotta read the part about the general giant at the admit desk. You didn't mind he was Neanderthal? Oh, more brawn than brains. He's a dude. Who wrote this trash? Had to be Randy. I found it under the desk. Or maybe it was Lydia. She had a poem in Good Housekeeping once. Well, it was definitely written by a woman. Wait, no, wait. No man thinks like this. No, listen to this. Witchcraft attracted her as a child when Zulu tribesmen on her father's game preserve tried sorcery to heal her shriveled leg. Oh, weavers in it? Oh, man, you're cruel. Now she aimed her spells at fellow attending Martin Bean. She nightly stirred and whispered in a frenzy of jealousy and, yes, perhaps a perverted yearning. Yikes. You know what? We should be careful with this. Yeah, people's feelings could get hurt. So how many copies should I make? <laughs> yeah, a lot. Hey, that LOL and Curtain 1 still waiting. I'll get it. This is one of my favorite B-plots that they ever do. <sighs> yeah, this, C-plot, will be, this, will be, this will be our comedy subplot for the episode, and I love it. I'm here for every single little bit of it. It's now I have. The, the, it's also one of the great unsolved ER mysteries, too. Yes. I, I was about to ask, who do you think wrote the manuscript? Well, I mean, we have our, our our suspects are Randy, Carrie, Carol. Are there any others? Lydia. There? Lydia was, was Lydia specifically mentioned though. I don't even remember. Yeah, who no. they in this said. Oh, yeah, uh, Lydia's mentioned because they say, "Oh, Lydia um, had a poem in Good Housekeeping once." I could see this being a Lydia joint. Yeah, like this this has Lydia written all over it. Like <laughs> we all know, Lydia's our favorite thirst trap. Like <laughs> this is this is right up her alley. It's true, but I can't keep saying it. Um, but yeah, I could I could see it being any of them, honestly. Like, it's the so consensus, well... but from the fans seems to be that it's Carrie. That seems to be yeah. the consensus among the ER fandom. I would. But I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to go out on a limb and think it's and say I think it's Jerry. See, that was my backup choice because you know me, I have to pick Jerry as the the like out there choice for every weird plot twist. And uh, yeah, I could totally especially see especially when it know. involves weird sex things. <laughs> like, I just don't know that some of the like flowery turns of phrase here are something that Jerry would be capable of putting together. <laughs> like, see, I love Jerry, now, but he's a little bit simple. If we were a couple seasons later, I would think it would be that crazy woman that was playing Mark, who like yes. steals his gloves and stuff. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Doctor Lee, is that her? Yeah, something she like ends that. Up being but, a, who's actually Anthony Edwards' real life girlfriend now? Like they're like they're uh, they like live together. Can I can I amend my my prediction or my my yeah. guess? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jerry, with the help of his mother. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> particularly dark, <laughs> particularly dark version of events. But sure, we'll take it. Uh, I could see I could see this being something that like. Doug and Carol got wasted and did for laughs and then forgot they typed up like where their friendship's at right now. They they do a really good job with it throughout the episode because even my opinion of who wrote it changed throughout the episode. Like there's a, there's points where I think it's Mark or I mean, uh, points where I think it's um, Carol points where I think it's Carrie points where I think it's, you know, somebody else, like somebody we haven't seen at all. Like it's, it, it changes throughout the episode. I'm so glad it's unsolved. So we can actually reflect on this. 20 yep. years later 24 years later yeah, like, and it's we not, still don't know 
And it's not the only thing that's unsolved in this episode. Uh, <sighs> spoilers for later. Uh, but anyway, we go out of that into uh, Malik and Doyle working with a patient, talking about end of days delusions, very delusional psych patient here. And the only reason I grabbed this guy's name is, well, two reasons. Number one, he has an amazing name. His name is Spider Madison. The actor's <laughs> name is Spider Madison, which is an A-tier name. But second of all, he's kind of a little bit of a... Um, casting curiosity in that he will appear in five episodes through 2004 as variously crazy guy this episode <laughs> these are official credits too from imdb crazy guy Jesus. mr whipple lenny elevator rider and douglas <laughs> so we're gonna see spider madison at least four more times through over the next six seven years um the Kind of poking a hole in Troy Evans' theory that you can come on the show once and only once as a character and they'll never bring you back as somebody else. (laughs) This makes me so happy I bothered to note that interaction at all then. Yeah, well, I I noted it only because of how it plays into the larger plot Mm -hmm. thing later on, which Mm. we'll get to. Um, But I was not expecting the actor to be anybody that we would know anything about and, and his filmography is admittedly kind of unremarkable but just the the kind of curiosity that he's going to show up four more times he must be friends with somebody or john wells must like him or something he, there must be some kind of connection there for him to come back four more times and play five different characters um but anyway we go out of there benton meets up with carla uh she is uh waiting in dr coburn's office for an ob appointment and just as he comes in she fires him as her birthing partner because he's too bossy and he's like what are you talking about like i didn't i don't make up the drills like he's she's like mad about him being impatient in the lamaze drills and he's like i'm planning on a birth not a mil-, uh she's like I'm, I'm planning on a birth not a military maneuver and she is very this is a thread that will continue throughout the entire episode she's a complete 180 from last episode it's very strange because yeah here she's not like mad at him she's like joking with him yeah it's playful it's it's yeah. playful yeah. they're clearly i think trying to reestablish the chemistry between the two of them they're trying yeah. to like see if this is a thing that they can make a long-term thing out of yeah it still ain't there it's it's not working gang <laughs> but at least she's you know treating him like a person oh yeah she's and not like a punching bag for sure and uh we go from there to doug showing off some of his uh fancy golf moves in front of ann spa and talking golf things tees and balls and racism and stuff like that um and uh mark and randy are watching him and she's and mark is like is doug's fellowship up for question again (laughs) uh and turns out doug is trying to angle for an invite into ann spa's country club which was a nationally renowned uh one and also noted that uh mark tells randy that he has to go to a teacher's conference for right they just go to a teacher conference at Rachel's school today. So, yep. And as he's headed out, uh, Mark gets a walk-in patient of a man carrying a young woman who has cut her leg. It turns out this is a father and daughter pair. And I want to note that it is Lily Moskovitz from the Princess Diaries, or Daniel can give us her actual name. <laughs> yeah, her real name is Heather Matarazzo, uh, who is in Princess Diaries, as Lauren mentioned, as well as the much less memorable Hostel Part Two. And I remember her from Saved. Yes. That was the movie I remember her most from. Also a classic. And the dad is yelling as they walk back, you know, this is why girls shouldn't take shop. <laughs> yeah, and the dad uh, is actually, he's another casting curiosity as well. Uh, actor Joe Lisi, uh, who his 
most prolific role that he had was he appeared in 70 i think 70 or 71 episodes of third watch and so he will actually be returning to er later in the third watch crossover episode with susan down the line uh but as his character from third watch so this is the second character in the first five minutes that has completely destroyed troy evans theory (laughs) that you can only play one character one time on er (laughs) we'll we'll have to follow up with him and let him know hey do we ever get a name from this guy I believe we do. Yeah, I believe it's Mr. So-and-so. Like, it's it's oh, right. not... I forget what... I didn't write down exactly what it was, but we did get a name for him. Um, and I was going to say, his, it, could, it could just be the same guy. Shared in, universe. In, yeah. yeah, in a shared universe, since obviously we've established the third watch is in the same universe as ER. So then Greg comes down to see Jeannie, because she paged him to come down, and Jeannie asks if she can recommend someone for the drug trial. Immediately fesses up that it's her ex, and as they're talking, uh, Greg's, like, trying to make plans with her again. And he just kind of goes, you know, you'll tell me if I should stop asking, right? Which I very much respect him for, that he's, like, you know, taking the temperature, making sure that he's still potentially reading the signs right. So go, Greg. Good boy. Good of him to say, yeah, you know, put Al's name in. We'll see what we can do. And then the gentleman played by Joe Lisi, the father, um, is grumpy that Mark is leaving his daughter alone with a med student. I think this is Doyle right here that... Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, And they're talking about, like, you know, oh, we don't bring plastic surgeons down unless it's, like, deep lacerations, and, you know, it might scar a little bit, but it'll be fine. And the girl yells, I'm gonna have a scar, but I'm a majorette. What's a majorette? Uh, I think it's sort of like a... uh, Is it it like color guard? Maybe. Fuck if I know. Listeners, if you know what a majorette is, please tell us. <laughs> I think it's I think it's something to do with like baton twirling and stuff, like the like not cheerleading necessarily, but like the ones that are like out in like the pep rallies and stuff. Like Gotcha. I don't know. Cause I went to so many of those in high school. Right, yeah. yeah. You're looking at Mr. Extracurricular activity right here. I feel like those were always made to be a much bigger deal in TVs and movies than they ever actually were in high school. We were forced to go to a lot of them yeah, at my we school. So our our football we, team was very good, and so we had to do, go to a lot of them. But it was basically just an excuse to get out of class early. Like you, you yeah. go for the first five minutes so you could see that your teacher saw you were there, and then duck out. We we had like sometimes where we'd go for those, but it wasn't ever like this big a deal. Yeah. So I don't know, but anyway, we go up to the surgical floor. Uh, Carter's prepping the kidney donor, and he wants to see his sister before the surgery and they wheel her in well, they wheel her in to say hi as she's just passing pass happens to be passing by um they just have some really cute banter the brother and sister and carter just i love just all of this i love this storyline it's very cute and it is obviously very getting us more to the to the end of the season this big decision for carter so coming yeah. up very soon and the uh, brother-sister pair here are played by a couple of Oh Hey, It's That Persons. Uh, the brother, we'll start with him, played by actor Gabriel Mann, who uh, appeared in uh, things like The Born Identity, The Born Supremacy, and a recurring role on Mad Men in six episodes where he played uh, character Arthur Case, uh, otherwise known as the creepy equestrian guy who has a crush on he Betty wa- Draper. He wasn't that creepy compared to how Betty was to him. I guess, yeah. It was just I, I think the I think I found the whole storyline kind of creepy, so yeah. it just sort of it's, it's an off putting storyline for sure. 
Uh, and then the sister is played by actress Mary Beth McDonough, who was most famous for appearing on the TV series The Waltons, um, but also appeared in uh, The West Wing, among other things. Too, both of these both of these actors are, are somewhat prolific. Um, and curiously, with Mary Beth McDonough, her uh, character in the episode is uh, needed needs a kidney transplant because of uh, lupus. She suffers from lupus. Uh, Mary Beth McDonough actually suffers from lupus herself that she attributes to silicone breast implants, which I don't fully huh. understand the connection there, but uh, we'll take why, her at her word. Why did I think the character was getting a transplant for like cancer or something that was going on? No, it's Maybe I related, just heard it wrong. It's, it's lupus. Yeah, it's, it's related to lupus. Um, it's never causing, lupus. <laughs> until it, that one time it was. Um but then we see we go from there we go down and see uh was it what did we decide the brother's name was chris from yes, a few episodes ago because kenny was the kenny was the, the brother I think who died chris yeah so chris yeah, law chris. the brother of kenny law the gunshot victim from a few episodes ago uh comes into the admit desk with a bill looking for dr green and randy i think sends him up to the billing department up on the third floor uh, but this is not the last we will see of chris this episode so uh, put him in your back pocket for a minute but we go from there uh back to the lounge where doug is talking about putting technique to carol who just looks enthused uh, while she is curled up on the couch reading the mystery manuscript uh, as they argue about who wrote it as they're arguing, Anspa comes in and starts using the putting machine. I love to little note on this too. I love when Anspa bursts through the door. I love how quickly Carol like slams the manuscript shut and tries mm-hmm. to look like, oh, I'm not doing anything. Like it's very like, you know, when your boss comes in, like, oh, I'm I'm busy. I'm definitely not just like lounging in here, listening, reading to, smut, to, reading smut, talking to my doctor boyfriend. Um, but yeah, Anspa comes in, and starts using the putting machine, mentions that a very important patient referral from his country club is coming in. Ooh, how fortuitous for, for Doug. And uh, says that uh, he would make a pretty good referral for Doug for the country club. So as they're walking out of the lounge, uh, Carol mentions to Doug that the club that he's uh, so anxious to get into doesn't happen to allow women, Jews, or blacks. And I love how I love how Doug's like. I think they changed that rule, and Carol's like, "No, they didn't." Yep, no, they didn't. It was a very good moment yeah, for Carol. Yeah. I liked it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like I said, just golf things, casual golf stuff. Exactly. Just guys being dudes. Yeah, just guys being big. It's, it's all. It's all good. Then we go over to our uh, next audio for you. It's uh, Mark. Mark's going headed out towards that uh, parent-teacher conference uh, in the parking garage when someone comes up and confronts him. Hey. Hello? Chris Law? My brother was Kenny. Yeah, I remember. How you doing? Not so good. My mother got this yesterday. $19,000 bill from a hospital that killed her son. My mother didn't have insurance. Well, I'm sure the billing department can... Well, 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 would it be happy to make a payment schedule? See, they, they don't understand that my mother who pays every bill She's not going to pay one penny of that one. She's not going to pay because well, I'm telling her that that bill's a mistake. That you don't get bills from people who kill your child. You don't pay people who lose your son's body between their morgue and the coroner so that you have to postpone a funeral for two days. I'm sorry. I had no idea that that happened. Nobody has any idea. But you tell them that she doesn't get another piece of mail from this hospital unless it's an apology. Very sorry for your loss. 
I'm not threatening to sue. So I'm sure you have a department for that, too. But if my mother gets another bill from this hospital, maybe I'm going to kick some ass. Maybe I'll start with yours. Ooh, that music. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I wanted to leave that little musical sting in there just because it's, yeah. Great job. Great job, friend of the show. Ah, so. Hmm. Hmm. We got two people so far not very happy with Mark this episode. Yeah. Hmm. Technically, Hmm. so technically we now have all of our suspects. Um, So this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. If you count the guy at the beginning with the uh, paranoid delusions about uh, Doomsday stuff, him, the guy who uh, brought in the girl with the cut leg, and now Chris. Uh, those See, those are those are your three suspects, and they all happen to be dressed exactly the same. They're all See, wearing jeans and a dark hoodie. My thought with the guy at the beginning was that it was more foreshadowing that shit was gonna end not so great for Mark today. Yeah, he's he's definitely but, he's definitely intended to be another suspect just because of the random nature of it. Like, I had not noticed the outfits though. Yeah, all three of them are wearing very similar outfits, like. Dark jean or uh, dark pants and a hoodie, uh, a dark hoodie specifically. So, yeah, we now have all three of our our prime three suspects. Anyway, I suppose it could always be somebody who we have never seen before at all. But the episode is called Random Acts. Yeah, I wonder, could there be something to that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but afterwards, Doug tells Mark to report it to security because, like, dude, that's not cool. Shit's not right. Um, and as it's going on, Doug brings chocolate frozen yogurt to the little boy that Anspaugh had referred, whose name is PK. And um, Carter is observing on the donor transplant surgery. And Carter gets to pass the kidney from the donor room to the transplant room. And Benton is clearly panicked that they have Carter carrying it. Like, the minute he sees Carter holding the basin and starting to walk, he just goes, oh, God. <laughs> They're like, oh, no. Something wrong, Dr. Benton? No, it's fine. The transplant doctors are very, very uh, amused by the fact that they have an intercom system now. Yes. Yeah, they used to just have, they said they used to just have someone running between the two rooms relaying messages about timing and stuff. With the nurses, yeah. Yeah, but now they have some nice microphones. Yeah. Um, But then the transplant doctor invites Carter to scrub in on the second half, or the installation of the new kidney, as I would put it. (laughs) And the uh, transplant doctor who invites Carter to stay, uh, Doctor Loesch, is—he's uh, probably our most recognizable of the two—the two doctors in here, played by actor Stanley Camel, who appeared in stuff like the movie Domino, Inland Empire, and the TV series Monk. He had a hundred—he's our high water uh, mark uh, actor for the episode. One hundred and thirty-eight credits to his name, uh, and unfortunately passed away in two thousand and eight from a heart attack. Oh. Uh, then we go back to Doug and his little boy. Uh, he's explained the fracture, you know, what happened. And we find out that the little kid wasn't supposed to be playing outside after dark because he's a because he's a klutz and gets a lot of bumps and scrapes. And uh, Doug, and then Doug does a little test of his peripheral vision and turns out this little kid can't see shit. No peripheral vision whatsoever. So, hmm, that's not great. We'll come back to that. And then Carol is talking to Carrie about the manuscript now. And Carrie goes, oh, I particularly liked the part where the alpha bitch attending goes to a faith healer about her limp. And then Carol accuses Carrie of writing it. So 
it, it continues to be a mystery of who's done it. But this was a mistake on Carol's part, I think. Because then so? Carrie goes Carrie goes on the offensive uh, with that. Yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Then we go from there uh, to Pam the EMT. Uh, we talked about this in our interview with Lynn Alicia Henderson. Uh, if you haven't already heard that, go back and check that out in the archives uh but yeah pam the emt runs in on her day off with her grandpa uh she's in her civvies she was on her day off she was on her uh showing up to her grandfather's house to take him grocery shopping and doris the emt is the one bringing her in and uh, pam is convinced that it was a stroke so we'll be going back and forth to uh gramps over the next couple of scenes here so we'll check back in with them in a moment yeah uh, and then we go back up to the surgical floor they're 43 minutes in to the actual like re the installation and the, the installation of the of the organic call it implantation the yeah implantation something team. like that yeah but we need nurse they, jen yeah <laughs> but uh the kidney's pinking up and it's a success yay but oh no the donor's hemorrhaging boo Ooh. um so then doug has called a peds ophthalmologist down because of the peripheral um, vision issues on PK and the doctor has confirmed that PK is in fact going blind so they're gonna have to break that news to his parents in a in a bit of continuity that again just again goes speaks to the detail of the show and how they care about stuff that nobody should care about in 1997 without the benefit of DVRs or DVD releases or anything like that like they're still operating under the assumption that these episodes are going to be seen first run and maybe in syndication that somebody might tape on VHS they went to the trouble of going back and getting the same uh, ophthalmologist that Doug took Charlie to earlier in the season. Oh uh, yeah, when Charlie got beat up, he took her to this. Because we had talked same, about him. Yeah, he took her to the exact same ophthalmologist here, and he comes down for a two-second scene where he's like, "Yeah, the kid's going blind. Okay, bye." Like, just the attention to detail of this show is so good, and it needs to be recognized. Yes, definitely. Um, and then Mark comes in to see. Pam's grandpa and no complaints of headaches, nausea, or vomiting prior to the incident. And Mark and Carrie are going back and forth trying to decide if TPA or other treatments are the best options. And Carrie argues that TPA is not a miracle cure and there's plenty of things that can go wrong. And we learn um, through her argument that Mark is on the stroke team. Do we ever get like an explanation of like what TPA is versus like a normal like blood thinner or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just another type of drug like that, like yeah. another yeah. blood thinning type drug. Well, I think it's a more aggressive one. Yeah, I'll say because I would say because the um because the paramedic Pam, she wanted to come to county specifically because they had access to this treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they so, do mention that when they bring it in that they were closer to Mercy, but that Pam insisted on them coming to county. So yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. That is one of those things we probably should have nurse Jen for, but we don't. Oh, well. So, uh, but the other thing to note here in this scene is Gramps uh, is played by actor Julius Harris, who actually has a really fascinating filmography. If you want to go back and look at his, he's been in a ton of different stuff, including uh, really like classic movies, Live and Let Die, the James Bond movie, uh, the original Taking of Pelham 123, uh, the 1970s King Kong. Um, he's in a bunch of different stuff, like a lot, lot of like older Hollywood type stuff. Um, he did pass away in 2004, uh, and this was actually his last acting appearance. So even Aww. though he didn't, even though he didn't pass away for another seven or seven years or so, this was his last uh, acting role. 
Uh, so many people on the show have passed away. Just with the know, sheer maybe. number of people. Yeah. I mean, sheer number of people. It's twenty plus years old. years old. Yeah. A lot Jeez. of them are. A lot of them are elderly when they're on the show. You know, so it's, it's true. Um, and in a scene that frankly just makes me long for summer, and long for being outside for prolonged I, periods of time I and not being worried office. about it. Uh, Jeannie and Al are just walking along the river uh, at our favorite little little section strip of Wacker of Wacker by Michigan Avenue. Um, grabbing some hot dogs and just talking about the patient interview. Now, Lizzie, I have a question for I you. I have an answer. Along this stretch of the river and Michigan Avenue, have you ever actually seen a hot dog cart? No, because those are, I'm pretty sure those are illegal in Chicago. Okay. No, hot dog, at least hot nowadays. Hot dog carts in general? Uh, it's more like street vendors. Like, they're pretty heavily regulated. Like the tamale uh, guy, he's technically not supposed to be doing yeah, it? Yeah, he's technically not supposed to be doing that. But, you know, people just don't give a shit because he was, he was really banging tamales. So. <laughs> I hope he's doing okay. He was opening up, he opened up a restaurant. I've never had and tamale then he got guys. Co- and then he caught COVID and almost died, and now he's okay. I've never had tamale guys tamales. Neither have I. We need to change that. We do. But I want a Chicago dog, and I want it to be summer, yeah. and I want Byron's French fries. Yeah, I was say, we'll go to Byron's, we'll sit outside and enjoy the nice summer air. It'll be lovely. <laughs> um, and we go back to the ER, and Mark is trying to justify uh, t- the TPA treatment to Carrie, and Mark asks Carrie, because Carrie is not, kinda, is not very high on the concept in general, uh, Mark asks Carrie to tell, to tell Pam about the, about the risks coming from a second person who has a critical point of view of it you know if she's because if if it's the wrong decision gramps could die yeah so make the clotting worse yeah and i love that carrie thanks him for it yeah uh yeah i love the whole i think it's one of the best character moments between the two of them thus far like i I love that whole interaction where he's just like they're they're, they fight you know tooth and nail with each other over the concept but then when it comes down to it he's like you know i want you to explain to her what the risks are because i know you won't sugarcoat it for her like he still understands even though he doesn't agree with her conclusions he still understands her value to the process and it's just really good so we go from there back to carter uh watching the donor team uh they're getting the the out of control bleeding under control on the donor patient uh they do get him stable uh the rest of the implant team invites benton and carter to join them for the post team wrap-up and uh, just as they're, you know, kind of basking in their shared excitement about this, uh, uh, Shirley comes in and says that uh, Carla has called and left a message for Benton. So he kind of scurries off. We go from there down uh, down to Al's interview. And this is where this is where I kind of lose a little bit of respect for Greg. Like Greg was doing so good. And I kind of feel like this is a. This is a little bit of a, a dick move from him. Uh, comes in to interview. He comes in and asks the doctor who is running the study if he can take over and do this interview because it's Al. So he comes in to interview Al because he's curious and you know wants to pry a little bit. And you know he's asking asking Al if he knows you know how he became infected. And he's like, uh, I would assume it was from heterosexual sex. He was like, I've never shot up drugs and I've never been with a man. He's like, but it was a lot of years and a lot of women, and I called everybody who I could to let them know. Nobody had any prior history. Um, so then Greg goes on to explain kind of the nature of the study and says that they don't typically accept single patients because ideally participants would have someone to back them up. 
uh, in the event that they miss a dosage. Uh, and he says, well, I have backup. You know, my ex-wife, she's around off and on. She's kind of back into my life now. And you can just see written on Greg's face that he's very upset about this and is like, it, yes, like, it, it, I mean, Al doesn't know. Al doesn't know who this guy is. He doesn't know anything about their history. Again, I think the onus here is on Greg. I think Greg is the one who's overstepping his boundaries and shouldn't be in this position in the front. He, the only reason he's going, he has he has less than zero interest in Al's uh, prognosis or treatment or anything like that. He doesn't give a shit about Al. He's just going in there to like pry for information on Jeannie's personal life. And yeah, I, I'm I don't just like bitchy it. And, I'm just bitchy and blame Al because if Al hadn't been like attempting to be sweet and forgivable after everything that had happened, Jeannie could have just gone on with her life and been happy with Greg. I know Greg's in the shit house for this one, but. Yeah. I just wanted Jeannie. To oh yeah, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I've gone on record as saying I'm not happy about the fact that Jeannie has circled back around to Al after all this. Um, you know, and I, up until this moment, I would have said that you know Greg was obviously a much better, much better candidate for her to end up with. Uh, but this is this is not a good look here. This is a this is a bad move. Between this and a few episodes ago, when he wouldn't just humor that dying patient. Yeah. Just yeah. not great. Kind of a one-two punch. God damn it, Obama. Um, but Marcus had missed so Mark. Uh, it's a perfect. <laughs> okay, wait, it was a perfect opportunity for a thanks, Obama. <laughs> I want to tell you, Shit. Daniel. This can be cut out, but I need to tell you during the inauguration when Obama came out, like in, for the dignitary announcements, <laughs> I definitely screamed, "It's, it's Obama!" Obama. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, but uh, Obama comments aside, uh, Mark is. Uh, going to administer tpa to gramps so we'll come we'll come back and see what that does um in a minute uh but then we go up to the surgical team reviewing the potential complications from the transplant um and you know just talking about you know why the person why the guy why the brother started hemorrhaging what possibly could they could have possibly done to avoid it etc just breaking down the surgery and carter gets paged uh when because the sister's waking up and uh he leaves and benton shoots him a look yeah, understandably so. Um, but then we go down to the admit desk crew, which is Carrie, Randy, Doyle, and Jerry discussing the mystery novel. And they all think that Carol wrote it. And Carol walks by, and Randy calls her a slut. Jerry says he sees her in a whole new light. And Doyle says, I knew it was an incurable romantic who was very warped. So I love it. So good. Just so good. Um... Then we go over to Doug, who is working with PK's parents, re his um, oncoming blindness. And Doug says, make sure he doesn't feel like he's been bad in any way. Sometimes kids feel like this is their fault. So just sweet, sweet love. Good, good boy, Doug. Doing well on this one. Yeah. And Carol apologizes for questioning. Did we even mention this earlier? That she, Carol yeah, is kind, she of kind of questioning he, his integrity. When he brings down the uh, frozen yogurt, at, she's like, really? Do all your patients get, you know, special treatment now and then and then yeah. when he brings down the ophthalmologist she's like are you really trying to bribe this guy with like doing unnecessary tests on his kid just to impress this guy to get into a country club so she, yeah it has yes. been a little bit of a recurring bit from carol yeah um so carol apologizes for doing that and she was like i don't even know i don't even know what matters anymore and everyone's teasing carol about writing the book no matter where she walks somebody's got a line <laughs> for her yeah so then we go from there up to we see Carter talking with uh, Gene, the uh, kidney recipient, 
uh, talking to her about her brother's status. She's obviously very concerned, uh, especially since her brother's a not not in the recovery room with her, and B once Carter tells her that there were some complications, she's obviously very concerned. But Carter reassures her, and this is like a real like he does a masterful job because she goes from being like super concerned and like on the verge of tears to by the time he's finished talking, she's like bright eyed and smiley and like all happy and stuff, and is like thank you so much. Like he's like they're really driving home how much better Carter is at this stuff than he is the surgical stuff. Um, it's really good work there. Not that he's bad at the surgical stuff. No, but he, this, but he, it's this. just that he's so much better at the at the bedside yeah. manner stuff. He's so much better at being a doctor than he is a surgeon. Um, but we go back down, check on Gramps. Uh, Carrie's checking in on him. Uh, there's been no progress. Uh, so we'll check back in on him a little later. But we don't get any time to absorb that because we have a new semi-long-term character joining us. Uh, Yay! Yeah, Dr. Anna Delamico. Uh, joining the the cast here, played by actress Maria Bello. Uh, she's making her first of 25 appearances through 1998, so she will be with us through the end of season four. Um, and she's kind of a fascinating case um, behind, <clears throat> behind the scenes. Uh, she's, I think, kind of the first high-profile casting misstep we'll say like i think i think they had every intention of making anna delamico a long-term character on the show um and for various reasons that we will get into over the course of her 25 appearances it doesn't work on both sides like neither side is particularly happy and so they just they make the decision kind of mutually at the end of season four to just cut cut their losses and walk away so kind of an interesting character that Hmm. we, we will discuss as we go through um, but she's made appearances in she went on to have a much better career after er uh, doing things like movies like the cooler a history of violence and coyote ugly among other things um, and in her first appearance here carrie introduces her to doug and doug volunteers to take her on a little tour so we will see a little bit more of anna as we go along and uh greg what are you doing man Just what are you doing Let's listen to what he's doing. There you are. Hi. Can you believe it? I'm actually getting out of here on time. Al qualifies for the trial. He should read over this material and then come in Tuesday to pick up his meds. Well, shouldn't you tell Al this? We left him a message, but I figured you'd probably be seeing him first. But Greg, what's going on? You know, I've been asking myself that question for the last two months. I thought that I was pretty honest with you, that I understood all the reasons you might be hesitant about getting seriously involved. I guess I missed one. Greg, I don't know what you think. I think that you're still involved with your ex-husband after the way he treated you. He can still manipulate you into getting him the latest meds. He did not manipulate me, Greg. But you do still love him. I don't know. Not great. That's uncomfortable. Not a good look. yeah. Not a good look for Greggy. Yeah. Obama, baby. What are you doing, boy? Jealousy does not look good on Obama. (laughs) No. Jealousy is an ugly color on most people, but especially on this actor. Yeah. Nobody looks great in this one. No, they really don't. And uh, this is it for Greg. He goes up those stairs and is never seen again. So. Aw. Presum- we'll presum- during his inauguration. <laughs> I was going to say, presumably goes off to start a career in Illinois politics and then eventually become president of the United States. Yeah. Excuse me, 2009 inauguration, my bad. 2008 election. Cool. Anyway. Are you guys ready for this? Nope. Oh boy. Nope. What a moment. So here is one of the most iconic sequences in early ER history, especially I'm going to try and do it justice 
bear with me, it's a lot. Um, so Mark goes into the bathroom. We see Jerry washing his hands very studiously. Jerry asks, do you ever think Carol Hathaway might be interested in me? And Mark's like, what? Why? And Jerry's like, well, the book. Mark hasn't seen the book yet. He's been busy, you know, doing his job. Jerry leaves. And as Jerry's leaving, Mark takes his glasses off, splashes his face. And all of a sudden, bam, gets the shit beat out of him. And as he's getting knocked around by a mystery assailant, as we've pointed out, he turns off the light with his head as he like slides down the wall and then he gets kicked into a stall and as he's trying to get back up the attacker comes back grabs him and slams him against the far wall the wall bounces yeah it's yeah. it's i know rough. it's i'm sure it's just I'm, i know it's an effect from the set but just yeah you you just feel that impact and the foley work on this whole sequence is just really it's wonderfully Brutal. done like the sound design on this is great but um we come back from commercial to find Mark laying face first on the bathroom floor by himself in a pool of blood around his face. And we hear Carrie and Doyle walking past discussing the book and how silly it is as Mark is crawling his way towards the door. And, you know, we hear Carrie, Doyle, and I think Chuni. I think it's Anna's there, too. Yeah. Yeah, and and they all mention how they've been looking for Mark and nobody has seen him. Yeah. Whew. Holy, okay. So this is so, going to set up season four, Mark. Yeah. And definitely the last couple episodes here. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, whew. Okay. Well, we're going to take it back to a little lighter note to for right now with a little audio. Uh, Carter brings Gene's brother in after he's woken up. Look who's here. Hey. You did it. You did it. Okay, no fighting. I did it. Dr. Connor. They're doing really well, huh? Where'd you go? I wanted to make sure they saw each other. Carter, two of the best transplant surgeons in the country let us look over their shoulders. They're debriefing on one of the most fascinating procedures you and I have ever participated in, and you just get up and leave. Well, I promised the sister. I knew she'd be worried. Is that a problem? I don't know. Another message from Carla Reese? Oh, it's okay. I called her at home and got her machine. No, she left an extension. OB, I think. I love how genuine Carter is with that, where he's just like, yeah, like, I did. of course I did. Like, of course I left the meeting yeah. with the renowned surgeons. Like, I had a patient. For my, for my patient, yeah. Yeah, like, why wouldn't I? And I love Benton's, I don't know. <laughs> like, for once, he's actually questioning yeah. his way of doing things, and I think it's great. Yeah. Also, oh, no. Carlos and OB. Hmm. What's going on? I don't know. Is it Reese o'clock? Just about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so hope you enjoyed that thirty uh, minute of fun, minute of fun. Uh, you know, we have still we have the audio of this is uh, them finding Mark and then the resulting trauma scene. Carrie, will you take Dr. Delamico back? I'm intimidated enough already. Anna, please. All right, Anna, welcome aboard. Thanks. Did you find a place yet? No, I don't know Chicago at all. I figured I'd look around this weekend. Is there a uh, neighborhood well, hey, near? Hey, you guys! Oh, oh my God! It's Mark. What happened? Right Stabilize his neck. Where do I find a C-collar? I'll get it. You help Doug. All right. Hold his neck. In 
line stabilization. I got it. Good breath sounds. Good pulse. Is he an ER doc? Yeah, attending. Give me the collar, please. Okay, oh, man. Mark? Okay. Okay, here we go. Now we're gonna roll him. Nice and easy. First roll him towards me. Let's roll him. Okay, slide the board in. Yeah. Good. It's fine, right there. Okay, roll him back. Go. Roll. Roll him. Gently. Mark, you're gonna be okay, buddy. Hang in okay, there. Let's get him monitored right away. Cross table, C spine, chest, CBC, type and hold, keep the urine. On my count, we're gonna lift him. Got that? Nice and gentle, real slow. All right, Malik. One, two, three. Go. Go. Alert CT. He's vomiting. Watch out for aspiration. All right, let's roll him. What's going on? Go. Oh my God, Mark! Pulse is 120, rest is four, BP's 100 over 60. What happened? We need to put him on a mask. 15 liters. Need to rule out a pneumothorax. Trini, aren't you with the stroke team? Yeah, but look. Go back to your patient. Carrie, come he's on. really... Carrie, come on! Get back there. Pupils are round and sluggish. React to light, possible hyphema. PTRs, two plus bilaterally. Babinski's negative. Radiology's on the way. Oh my God, it's true. We got some crunchy ribs here. I'll get this bleeding under control. Who are you? New resident. Guardian and tenderness, abdominal CT. You bet. Give them the works. Come on. I got that just so we could see everyone's re- immediate reactions to this. Like, Doug and Carrie immediately flip into, let's fucking go, let's fucking get him into, let's get it, let's do what we can for him. And everyone, and obviously, and everyone else who knows him is... I was like, what the fuck? And I, I pointed out when we were watching this, I was discussing with Lizzie, and I said it so strongly mirrors the way the whole ER reacts when Carol's brought in in the pilot. Mm-hmm. That, like, everybody wants to help, everybody wants to be all hands on deck, and somebody has to reroute them back to doing their yeah. actual jobs. Yeah. Carrie, in this case. Yeah. Yeah. You, like you said, though, you get to see the wide range of emotions and the wide range of reactions. You know, like you said, Doug and Carrie are very much all business and like get him get him into the trauma room, get him assessed and everything. And then you also get to you get an early glimpse into uh, uh, the new character, Delamico's kind of competence, like that she just jumps right in and, you know, immediately is she's not she's not uh, beholden to the moment because she doesn't know Mark. She didn't even know who he is. She's never met him before. Right. Um, yeah. But then you see some of the other, the support staff and stuff. They, they, they make, I love that they make the effort to bring, to involve Chuni in it. Like yep. th- there's mm-hmm. that little brief moment where Chuni is really upset, you know? And it's yeah. just like, it's, it's just lots of good, subtle character work. And you, you see really the broad spectrum of emotions across the whole staff. And, uh, Oh boy. This is for my money. That's the best little bit of Chuni we ever get. Yeah, yeah. She does more in that fifteen twenty seconds than she gets to do sometimes in five episodes. So yeah, yeah. It's oh boy. The the only thing that kind of stands out to me, and this isn't like a problem, but it's just it's it's a little it, it kind of disrupts the flow. It sounds almost a little too much. Is when Doyle walks in and she goes, yeah. "Oh my gosh, it's true." or whatever yeah. it was like it's it's she, a bit she kinda, too soon for that reaction she also seems kind of out of place in there too like because right then she immediately pivots to doing the like who are you to do like she gets territorial yeah around, around uh delamico and it's like you could remove her from that scene and nothing would be different and it would probably work a little better it doesn't like you said it doesn't ruin the scene it doesn't 
really detract from it too too much but but she clearly doesn't need to be there like and like you said not enough time has really elapsed for any sort of like rumor mill to have permeated throughout the er like pretty much the entire er is in that room so like and they just found him in the bathroom so who the hell is gonna be talking about it like i i don't know it's very or if even if she ran in and said who is it yeah or just true like yeah it just like you said it came off let me just contrived and kind of hokey let me just monday morning quarterback this show 24 years i choose to believe that like one of like the other like unnamed nurses was like running it was like running in to the thing and she was like what she was and she may have just seen like oh like what's you know what's wrong and they would have been like dr green is (laughs) Yeah. yeah i don't know that's a that's a good faith argument. It's a, yeah, that's I don't think it's that much of a stretch, but she's still very out of place. Yeah. I agree. Um and I just want to point out how concerned Doug is. Yeah. And just I love him looking after his best friend. It's very well done. And in the trauma room, I also want to know whose films are those. <laughs> this would be a great time to have that board turned properly. You're going to need some x-rays. You're going to want to put those somewhere. Yeah. You think. <laughs> so we we go out of there to uh, Coburn and Benton discussing Carla. She is only two centimeters dilated, not in la- full labor just yet. They were able to stop it, uh, but she is on full bed rest now. So she's directed to stay in bed at the hospital for the next eight weeks. Uh, That's what's happened to my mom. With you? With you <laughs> yep. When you tried to come I, out I ended up incorrectly or something? Feet, what was your... feet first and two months early. She she went into the hospital on her birthday, and they were able to delay it until the 23rd, and then they had to do a C-section for me. You're, they couldn't wait any longer. I wasn't due until July. You are nothing if not an overachiever, Lauren. Like, I am an inconvenience <laughs> since birth. You were like, nine months, I can do it at seven. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, ter- that, was, that wasn't a great plan. Um, so yeah, she's, she's going to be on bed rest for the next eight weeks. Benton goes in, sits by her, uh, and she she wants him to kind of entertain her and soothe her and they're kind of reminiscing talking about when they both suspect Reese was conceived and uh just like who who is this person compared to last week's episode like how have they done a switcheroo here is there does Carla have a a good twin or something like I don't I don't get it like she's a complete 180 from last week's episode it's totally bizarre Uh, like pick a tone and stick with it yeah yeah Speaking of uh, picking something and sticking with it, uh, we got our last audio here. It's Jeannie making poor decisions with Al. Possible side effects, bloating, nausea, sustained diarrhea. Oh, stop reading that. I don't have a single vice left. Forget beer. Sometimes I double my viral load for an old-fashioned glass of milk. I don't mind the soy stuff. Well, you were always a pushover. Yes, I was. And I took it for granted. You know what I miss most about us? Hearing you laugh. (laughs) The sound of you laughing in the dark. We both took a lot for granted. I don't take anything for granted anymore. better go sure or stay on the couch if you want. i don't want to stay on the couch then you better go okay i'll stay on the couch me too 
Can you can you stay right there? I doubt it. No. I'll be right back. I don't have a condom that's not over a year old. And I have to have one, right? You're right. I mean, I, I could have a different strain or, or a stronger strain than you, and we need to be safe. Uh-huh. I'll be two minutes. Will you wait? Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> that's it. That's what I missed. First off, I need to say it again. I say it every time, but kissing sounds are so disgusting. <laughs> Audio only, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Sorry, no. I tried to cut out as most of it. I try. I cut out actually a lot more of it. Yeah, you did. Thanks, but uh, mm. second off, Jeannie, baby, why? I love her laugh. I love how happy she is in this moment. But Jeannie, no. Yeah, this is not it. This ain't it, Chief. I do appreciate that. Al's like, we have to be safe, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's trying. I'll give him credit for that for this exact moment. I will give him credit for that. But like everything up to and everything coming after this moment that we know like we know this is not a, a permanent character change for al like things things are going to things aren't going to change for forever i'd forgotten that so i was willing to maybe give him an okay here but thanks thanks yeah Daniel. sorry nope. about that <laughs> you should know by now if, with, <sighs> whenever genie is involved just assume that the worst possible outcome is the outcome because that's yeah. what happens with genie there is no happiness i mean Personally, Al gets mo- gets my gets is one of my top five least favorite characters in the entire show. Really? So he infect he. Oh yeah, no, I, oh, no I, 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 infects I mean, her with a with a potentially deadly sure. illness. That's that is that's uh, an incurable. That is a bad move. De- potentially deadly illness. <laughs> Definition of a dick move. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Who are your other four? <laughs> I'd have to think. I'd have to think about it. But like, he's definitely up. He's definitely in that amongst he's in that, tier. that list. Yeah, Carla. I hate Al. Uh, Carla's Carla's there Carla too. Would probably be in there. Chloe. Uh the grandmother that tries to take Carrie's kid away later in the seasons mm. for no reason. Would for no reason? Would, uh, would Chloe be in there? What? Hmm? Would Chloe be in there? Cleo? Oh, Chloe. Yeah. Because we she's, really hate. We did down there. She's, <laughs> she's down there, but I'm not sure if she's bottom five. Fair enough, but. Bottom ten, for sure. <laughs> Romano, uh, top twenty. Huh? We're gonna have some interesting say, seasons ahead of stay, us. Stay yeah. tuned for the end of season fifteen when we just eventually give our full rankings for all the characters. We'll yeah. make a seven-hour oh, episode on Patreon that'll just be us ranking every single character who's ever appeared on the show. That'll. That I'm actually really looking forward to that. <laughs> We'd have to do a cutoff of like, okay, out of people who've been in five or more episodes or like something to like. Yeah, yeah. We'd, have to, we'd have to put some prayer. We'll, we have a lot of time to think about it. So anyway, everyone is discussing the potential attackers for Mark. He is now stable. And Carrie says, keep working, people. We've still got an ER to run. And it's it's very sweet. Like I said before, it's just like how, you know, Mark handles the ER where he's, when Carol comes in where he says, you know, we're going to do the best we can for her. She's one of our own, but everybody else, you got to do your own jobs. So very much just just good continuity there. Yeah. Good attitude, good leadership on Carrie's part. And then we check one last time in on Gramps, uh, whose speech is returning. So the TPA, TPA worked. Um, his motor skills are returning, and he's able to talk coherently and everything. He says he wants to, to thank Green, and uh, Carrie just says, uh, I'll make sure and tell him for you. So... 
Yeah, and Doug goes to check in on Mark and disgustingly hey. awesome uh, prosthetic work there. Yeah, that makeup on, is good. Yeah. yeah, on his face with just like with the nasal tube, like like almost like embedded in the swollen eye. That just, eye. Ugh. Yeah. The caked on blood around the eye and yeah. everything. Like, ugh. Just, so so just have, good. Have Chuni wash his face, please. No, I think that's just swollen. Those are that's just like I blood know. swollen yeah. up around. Just, just have Chuni give him a little ice pack. Mm. Yeah, but uh, Doug's telling Carol what to do, and Carol tells him to calm down. <laughs> what? She she yeah. tells so. Carol tells him to go call Ortho, and he's like, "Well, maybe we ought to do this." And she's like, "Why don't you go call Ortho?" <laughs> like, yeah, because she's he's oh, telling her okay. to do things she's already done and knows to do. Yeah. So she's like, go, go call her though. Oh, okay. Go for some out. reason I thought like, for some, my, my brain left me for a moment and I thought like, when does, when does Doug get like super pissy with Carol? Like, what the fuck? Like, no, 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 no. He, he's no. just he, preoccupied. He's, and... Yeah. He's, he's doing the doctor to nurse thing. Yeah. And she's yeah, like, yeah. we did that. That's yeah. stable. That's good. Go call her though. Yeah. They are not down here yet. You should go check on them. Yeah. But uh, Mark wakes, Mark wakes up to Carol and Doug on either side of him and doug loves his best friend so much and poor mark with his head trauma i know i was like oh this looks too familiar yeah he's anthony edwards is so good at doing this type of acting like he i this is really weird to say but he plays debilitated really well yeah Mm -hmm. which is and that yeah that's not a that's a skill like just like anything else like there are there are actors who are good at it and there are actors who are really bad at it and he just like happens his to his his seizures that he one or two that he does later on in the show they yeah. my heart stops every time yeah like one of my favorite like one of my favorite performances of his in the entire show is in season seven when he's having brain surgery oh. and like during that whole segment so it's just good perfect so heart-wrenching but so good that's gonna be like an hour-long audio clip just that episode Oof. Yeah, we're just gonna listen to the audio of that episode. That's one of my favorite. That's my top. Five, that's top five in the that's entire gonna, series. That's for gonna me. be the podcast. We're not gonna talk at all. We're literally just gonna put that <laughs> episode out yeah. for our episode. Season seven, episode like twelve or thirteen. I forget the Something exact like number. That. Peace of mind. But which, if, so what if we, you realize, we are now closer to that episode than we are to the pilot. <laughs> what? What the fuck? What? Shut up, Daniel. Shut up. <laughs> so what do we think? Uh, I like. I love yeah, this one. This is an amazing episode. Top five of the season for sure. And, yeah, has, and yeah, absolutely. In, in heavy contention for one of the best of the season, like top two or three. Yeah. Yep. I'd agree. It's, Can you guys believe that this was the same season Susan left? I know. I was thinking like, about that today. I was, so... I was starting to put my thoughts together for the outline for the season three wrap up. And like, there's so many things about this season. Like Susan left us in this season. That feels like it was decades ago 12 episodes ago 12 episodes she's only been ago. gone 12 episodes and it feels like she's been mark gone and chuni already mark broke and chuni up have long Our- since come and gone Ch- well okay charlie technically is going to show up one more time but but, but charlie that was a done. whole thing that just passed us by gant keaton all that stuff it's all stuff that has yeah. just like gone whew, out into the wind and yeah yeah but this one this one's a definitive one for season three for sure yeah yeah, and this I, I think kind of the same a similar thing happened in season two too. We went through a kind of mid to late season lull, and then we really like hit a couple of heavy hitters at the very end of season yeah. two. So it's just the nature of a twenty two sure. episode Our- hour long show. Like you have to make tw- you have to make well, between twenty two like, and like twenty five. Yeah, like 
18 episode 18 hours worth of show per season there's gonna be some downtime in there uh but yeah no i agree on all points i absolutely love this episode i think it's one of the best best of the season and mark baby it should this because especially because this episode changes mark and gives us some of the best performances mark performances in the entire show yeah. in the it next gives, in the next little bit it gives him some more depth and some more conflict right and correct me if i'm wrong we do get we do get in uh i don't i can't remember if it's before the end of the season or if it's early season four but we do get some sort of justification that it was not chris law yes right yes so yeah. we can we can rule I, him out as a suspect i only know because when we were um at home for christmas mm-hmm. and watching this on pop tv that episode came on okay. Yeah, so it yes. was like in season six or something like that. Like he finally like. Oh, so it's that far ahead. Actually, it's 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 one that's it's definitely not like these next couple episodes wow, okay. or anything like that. Or it's it's a little, a little later on, but like he actually like I forget exactly what prompts it, mm. but he does go to see Chris's family mm. and he's like, I thought it was you for the longest time, and but it's, yeah. but it's not. They make amends. Hmm. Yeah. And, he tries to make amends, obviously. Well, as much as they yeah. can. Yeah. So okay, so we but. know if we know right off the bat that that he was it did not do it. Do we? Yeah. Do you feel like you have an opinion on whether it was guy with the daughter or crazy guy at the very beginning or third party unknown never to I be think identified? Third party. I think random acts. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. I think that's probably that. That's the explanation that makes the most sense. You know. Yeah, I don't think this was a Carter and Lucy situation. I think it was just a random act. Because yeah. if they wanted us to know, if they wanted us to know, they would have shown us. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Or they yeah. would have wrapped it by the end of the season. Yeah, or they would have told us at some point. Yeah. If they wanted us to know, because this is such a huge part of Mark's character. Mm-hmm. Then right, they and told and us. also too, we have the contrasting plot line with the book, where we never find out about that either. So it's clearly a pattern. You yeah. Know, contained within this one episode that there's just these random events yeah. that happen i'd give it a solid nine out of ten. Oh yeah, yeah this is easily an eight or a nine yeah. out of ten for sure this is one I, of the best i love the book i love the book beat yeah and, and you know what's funny is that on surface level the if you just told me you know because again we remember a lot of the broad strokes of the show but we don't remember a lot of these small details until we actually sit down and watch the episodes in order you know the book is something that i of course remember but I did not remember that it was in this episode until we watched it. And um, on surface level to say that the episode where Mark gets attacked is paired with the episode where they're trying to decide who wrote the smutty book is the ER fan fiction. Right. It sounds, it sounds very tone deaf and it sounds like on sur- surface level, it sounds like one of those episodes where we would be like, Oh God, the tonal shifts are just awful in this episode, but they managed to make it work. It works because the Mark thing happens in the last 10 True. minutes. True. The Mark thing. That's the yeah, key. Yeah. The Mark thing is yeah. not. Yeah. If they had, if he'd been attacked at the beginning of the episode and then we were dealing and with the fallout like... throughout the episode, that you're right. That would have caused more of an issue. But because, and it's, I always love episodes like this where they kind of lull you into that false sense of security where things are going too well and things are, everybody's too happy. And then all of a sudden something like this happens and the bottom falls out and then they're left to deal with the chaos, the ensuing chaos. That's how you do a tonal shift right. That's how you really kind of pull the rug out from under the audience and make them deal with it. And I really love it. Because that's how it happens in life, too. Right, exactly. Everything's fine until it isn't. 
All right, well, that's going to about wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture at that moment as well as monthly movie reviews where we watch a movie featuring an ER cast member and pick it apart. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SettingTheTonePodcast. And we are at SettingTheTonePodcast on Instagram. And also be sure to join the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook as well. Our theme music today is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my Twitter at lowbob92345, and again, putting out that personal ask that you all rate and review on iTunes if you enjoy us. If you don't, don't bother, it's fine. No, please, <laughs> <laughs> kidding, please rate and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. And it really helps us, you know, grow as a show and share with more people. Yeah. And you can find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer. That's J-A-M-3-R. As well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Spider-Man, the City That Never Sleeps DLC. Uh, new episodes of that are out every Friday. And you can find those videos and more at those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. Bye.